Hello everyone, how are you doing? And welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where we talk about innovation, leadership, and becoming the CEO of you. Each week, I bring in a thought leader and we talk about actionable steps that will bring you to discovering the best within yourself. So today on my episode, uh, we will be talking to Deidre Breckenridge. How are you doing, Deidre? I'm doing really well, thank you. And thanks for having me on your show. Well, thank you for being a guest on the show. Uh, you know, you came through my feed via Dr. I. And once I started to look you up on YouTube and watch some of the talks that you've, you've given, I said, okay, we need to get her on the show. And so I reached out and you said, yes, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And I love how friends connect through social media. It's so wonderful. I mean, what a great community we're building. It is. That's what's so awesome about it, because, you know, there used to be a time where, you know, I'm in Mississippi, but if, if you, you know, lived in Mississippi or you lived in Oklahoma or North Dakota, you would have to go to a conference or somewhere to physically meet someone and particularly introduce to certain people within your field that have that pool. But now with the Internet of Things, you know, just on any site, you're just have that access to people. You can be anywhere at any time. I mean, I've Skyped into conferences in Tehran. <laughs> so yeah, when they had their PR 2.0 conference, it was one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. And there I was Skype in, in Iran. So yes, you can be everywhere. No excuses not to connect and build relationships. Excellent. And we're going to get more educators on that's, you know, my mission, uh, because as many educators there are on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, et cetera, there are far many who, are, who aren't. And I keep forgetting about it, you know, because, you know, I wrote my dissertation on teachers using Twitter for professional development. And I let that go. You know, I didn't pursue that in other avenues in terms of, you know, let me market it. Let me do this work, because in my mind, everyone I knew was on Twitter. And then I, it didn't hit me. Most of them aren't. <laughs> so right. I have, you know, work to do. And so we're going to have you on to talk about your book, you know, Answers for Modern Communicators. Uh, these questions I have him you know, having here, I pull from your book and we want you to, you know, to share your gems. Uh, so mm -hmm. my first question, you know, I'm always fascinated by what fuels people to to this follow a certain path. What drew you to communication? Well, I love to write when I was younger. I mean, I'm going to take you all the way back to first grade when my fourth grade teacher had us create a hardcover book. I was so excited. It was this little story that I wrote. So that was my start to writing. But it was really when I was in high school, I won an essay contest for WOR. And my guidance counselor said, you know, you, you have a knack for writing and there are, there are careers around writing. And he told me you could go into, of course, journalism or broadcast or what about public relations? And when I learned more about PR, I said, ah, you know what? Working with the media, writing, communicating people. I think this is the way to go. And it stuck. <laughs> wow. And I'm assuming a lot harder now because business executives and people in Hollywood with the with cell phones people can get in trouble a lot quicker 
Oh my goodness. Yes. The impulse to tweet far too much <laughs> or, you know, to, you have that knee jerk reaction when you, I guess, because social media brings out a lot of passion, right? And we all feel passionate about certain topics that sometimes you fire something off and yeah, you don't want to do that, that you still have to be considerate and think <laughs> before you hit that button. So yes, there are many more challenges with executives, organizations, wh whoever you are, modern communicators. Mm -hmm. So speaking of modern communicators, you wrote the book, Answers for Modern Communicators. What was the pain point for writing it? So, well, thank you for asking. Um, this is a book that I've been curating for a very long time. So being that this marks my 30th year in public relations and marketing, and if you can imagine, I've always believed in mentoring and I was always answering questions. But, you know, 20 years ago, that was in person or when you were mentoring your own employees or you were meeting at conferences. And then all of a sudden, I realized, I think it was in 2015, all these questions were pouring in through my blog, through Twitter, through LinkedIn, through Facebook, through Skype. And people, there were hundreds of questions. I stepped back and I looked at them all and I said, hmm, all right, I'm seeing patterns here. I'm seeing some real pain points in certain areas. So let me take some of those questions and group them into areas, the most popular questions that were asked over and over again. And before I knew it, I had a book that was broken down into different sections that were the essentials of being a modern communicator, uh, relationships built to last, you know, reputation covers measurement it covers mentoring that's how the book was born it was all of those pain points that people were feeling as a result of the media landscape changing and technology and what it meant to really be a modern communicator today mm -hmm. so what would you say are the essential communication skills one should have now and how has technology changed how individuals or organizations actually communicate so that's a great question, and that is a frequently asked <laughs> question. Communicators always have to be strong writers. You have to present yourself well, so speaking is important. You have to be a critical thinker, a negotiator. There's creativity. You have to be a relationship builder. But then you step back and you say, okay, here's where all this new technology and social and mobile and and everywhere that we're going, the internet of things, you also have to understand a lot about data. Data is so important, data analytics. Um, that's not something that I studied when I was going through my public relations or even as I got my MBA. It, you know, they're, sure, it was about the numbers, but it's still different because of the technology. So data analytics is really important, SEO, uh, if you said to me, I don't know, 10 years ago, is SEO your job? I might have, or 15 years ago, I might have said, no, that's somebody else's job. We have to um, understand search engine optimization. We also have to be more familiar with how to build relationship through different channels, which is so new. So it's not the way that we used to do it before. And even our media relations, influencer relations skills. So things have changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So seeing that, I want to throw this out there to you because 
each platform has its own heartbeat. And when you, whether it's, you know, you're talking to clients or you're talking to your students, how do you sort of explain to them or get them to understand that what is acceptable or would be beneficial to you on LinkedIn will be something that on Facebook would not be something you may necessarily try or on Facebook where people literally just show their complete selves <laughs> where you got on LinkedIn and you started <laughs> doing those things. People were like, Hey, Hey, this is LinkedIn. It's not exactly. Facebook. Well, you make a great point. So every community community has a culture and I think it's really important to study the culture understand the sharing behavior and how people want to participate so that you can share in a more meaningful way. And you're right. When you're on LinkedIn, it is all business. It is networking. It, for me, it's a higher level impact and how do you create business value in terms of the communications programs that you're building. Um, it's recruiting. So yeah, it, you, you would never, the way that you are on, on Facebook, you wouldn't take that to LinkedIn because you would be called out. So there is an understanding that you have to step back and say, okay, now I understand what everyone is sharing. I understand uh, their pain points. What is it that I can actually offer? And that's something where you discover, I call it passion potential, because everybody is really passionate about what they want to share. But you have to remember, just because you want to share it doesn't mean on any platform that somebody necessarily wants to hear it. So when you can match the, the pain point and what's their potential with your potential, that's when the magic happens. So you're on several platforms and I follow you on LinkedIn uh, and we're connected on Twitter. I know people are coming to you and you know, they're asking you all of these questions. So how important is it for you to, you know, give away your knowledge uh, to those who are, are interested, you know, cause a lot of people, and I've seen tweets, you know, don't pick my brain, you know, cause that's my money, you know, uh, but you are there. And in your book, you talk about how you are now at a stage where you, you want to mentor. So how important is it for you to be able to share what you've learned? It's really important. So I think this is so far beyond me, right? It's all of us. We all have to share what we've learned. And I know that there's another end of this spectrum that says, don't give it away. It happens naturally for me. I am going to give, but at the same time, I'm receiving. Because I feel that when you give really good information, People are also sharing, so I'm learning too. It's a reverse mentoring. And people are trusting you. You're building, you're carving out different ways that you might have opportunity together. And then that leads to excellent relationships and business more than you could have ever imagined. So I am not somebody who says, oh, you know, I'm not going to say this or, or do this. I, I like to share. I think that's a part of my personality. So with that and the connected you are and you talk about building relationships because that's a thing 
that you've been coming with so far is the importance of relationships. When you are talking to your students, who I assume belong to that mobile generation, the crop of younger kids, what do you talk about them about building relationships? In particular, when, when I'm 44, so I have, you know, so many thousands of people on Twitter. Most of those people I would never call a friend because, you know, we haven't met offline and, and we don't even on let's say online. We don't have a series of telephone conversations or video conferencing. So they're great associates. Now, some of them are friends because we have had that outside. But younger people, for some reason, if they have, you know, 9000 followers or 300 people on Facebook, we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> Different outlook. <laughs> outlook on, on those. So when you talk about building relationships, what do you tell them, particularly that crowd of, of, of or generation that sees these things so personally? So not everybody's your BFF. I think I put that in the book, right? And we have to realize that, and that's okay. There are going to be friends that you know you're going to show up on Facebook and you're going to have conversations and, and maybe there's some kind of learning or you're rallying around some kind of passion and that's great. And then there's also going to be friends that you dive in a little bit deeper with and you might be on other platforms. There might be friends that you're meeting at conferences who you meet through social media and who knows, you're shaking hands and you go into some kind of partnership. But it's the ability to be able to say, what are those friendships that I'm going to keep in my inner circle? Because let's face it, when you let somebody into your inner circle, that's a close knit group. And you really want those people to have your very, very best interest at heart. So not everybody can be there, but you have to understand what are the levels of friendship and what friends do you want to take to a new level that you feel comfortable about and that you trust. Mm, I like that. <laughs> Thank you. And in person is still so important because I always use when I'm looking to expand the relationship and to make it more meaningful. I really believe you have to be in person. There's, you can't hug somebody on social media. You can't shake their hand on social media. You can do a lot, but in person will never replace. Video is great, but it, it's still not the same. And it's not, and that's why for me, those important uh, connections that I made on Twitter, I try to, okay, once we go from a phone call into, let's say, a video conference or we meet in person at a conference, I try to make that physical contact because at my level where I am, I'm trying to get to that next level job, that next level money. And I want to have the type of relationships with people to where they know me and they know the value that I bring. So they can not only recommend me for other jobs or positions or things that come their way, but if someone approaches them and say, hey, I need you to present here, well, I'm booked, I can't do it, but Will is available. That's the one you need to reach out to. Exactly. Well, no, it, it's a good approach. It's that in-person that really takes things to the next level. Although you can do a lot through social media, um, but I still think that, you know what, to really get to know me, to have that cup of coffee, 
those are some of the best relationships where they start. Awesome. So everyone has a story. And it's interesting because I talk to teachers all the time. Look, you got to get on social. You got to do this. And a lot of times I get, you know, pushback. Uh, they're, they're like, you know, that's for, you know, seeing the monkey dance in the pool or <laughs> Beyonce. It's, it's not for me. But we all have that story. And, and digital tells a an interesting story if you're not very careful of it. But uh, the question is, how does one discover their story? And where, where, how does social come into play in actually crafting one's story, their, their digital footprint? So I think that social media is probably one of the best ways for people to get to know you um, even before they meet you mm -hmm. in person. And when you're building your story or your personal brand, Social media is also a great place to showcase what you stand for. What are your values? Um, who are you? And what is it that you want to bring to this world? So your, your story that you mentioned. And I just find on social media, there are a lot of stories. The more human and authentic you are, the more that you, um, yes, you're sharing your story, but a lot of the best stories it's always, I want to share my story because I want to help you. And I find that social media, a lot of the time, is about helping your peers. And when you can enter into any community more as a peer, you have a much better shot of building a relationship. And I think that's what businesses struggle with. And, you know, pretty much the Edelman Trust Barometer comes out every year. And it says that people trust people like themselves. So if they can identify to you and your brand, then they're more likely to want to do something with you. And it's no different. Um, if you think about, you know, I, I owned an agency for 14 years and we did a lot of branding. And when we spoke with our clients who were either rebranding or launching a brand, it was always, what kind of car do you think you are, but what do you want to be? So, right, because you associate yourself with a product. It's no different. People look at another person and say, wow, I can see myself or this is who I want to be, aspire to be. And that's how you can really move the needle through social media. And speaking of brands, this conversation is just setting itself up so nicely. Um, so many educators are just so resistant to calling themselves you know, brands. And when I talk to them, I'm like, no, this is not branding in the sense of, you know, you being Apple right. or anything, you know, but your, your reputation or what skills that you may be known for or your reputation. So how would you define a personal brand and how should people sort of embrace one's brand? So uh, when it comes to, and I, I see the pushback as well, but it's your, your values, it's your thought leadership, it's what you want to be known for. So if you're a professor, of course you are in, a, in some area where you've done a lot of research and you want to share that with the world, not just your students. Um, so of course you, you want that brand to stand out. And I would think that every university would want their professors to have a platform 
not just through the university, but on their own so that some of their great work, they, they might be out there through social media and, and getting on different podcasts so that they could share. That's all a part of your brand. And social media just naturally, um, through the content that you share, once you do build your brand and no matter how you're sharing content, whether you have your own show or it's um, blog posts, people rally around that. And because especially if it's a like-minded cause um, and they want to get to know you and then they expect more from you. So I, I think that it's really important that professionals start saying, I do have a personal brand or if you want to call it a professional brand and it's good for teaching. It's great for the institution. It's great. It's a win-win for everyone. Mm -hmm. So now I want to throw this out there to you and it's about carving out that niche. So if you say, well, I'm a teacher. Okay. So we're talking about sort of broader sense, but what do you teach? How do you teach? And how do you sort of send that message out to where when people are saying, I'm looking for someone who is Apple in the classroom, they, oh, I'm going to call up Jeffrey. Uh, how important is it to have that niche as part of your brand? So I think it is important because you want people, it's that automatic recognition. And the more that you can share content related to what you bring to the classroom or your research, the more you can show opportunities at conferences where you're speaking, right? Educational conferences, the more that you can share things that you're doing with your students and visual. So it's not just the writing, it's the visual element so that everything, your, your digital footprint, right? When you're trying to expand your brand, Everything you do out there and everything that people say about you, it's like breadcrumbs back to you. So you want people to be able to recognize you immediately from when they go on your Twitter profile, to your Facebook, to your LinkedIn. So go and check those things because it's really important that even if you took your name off of that profile, somebody would be able to say, I know that's Dr. Will. I know that's him. And a lot of what I do, or at least to be able to say, I know what this person does. I see their area of expertise and we need this person. And a lot just comes through the way you represent your, your, your colors, your imagery, um, what you're saying, your, your messages, your comments, everything. It all traces back to who you want to be your values and how you're positioning yourself. All those things matter. Mm. I got to take a sip. That's so good. <laughs> oh, that was all oh, that. Oh, people. I can't wait for people to, to watch this video and <laughs> Ooh, Oh, that was so good. I'm serious. Um, I want to start to end this, this podcast, uh, by talking about, you know, the power of the Internet of Things. I don't know who came up with that term, but it's kind of cool. Uh, but you are teaching. You are a LinkedIn learning instructor. Now, when I first saw LinkedIn putting out these courses, I'm kind of like, oh, that's interesting. I, I see where they're going uh, with this. And you are the creator of Women Worldwide Podcast, which people, you got to check that out as well. It's really <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. 
how did you get involved with LinkedIn in becoming a teacher? And, and where do you see this kind of learning actually upscaling the skills of the working professional? Okay, so just how we were talking about the brand and expanding the digital footprint, they found me. So lynda.com came to me in 2013 or maybe it was 2014. And they said, we see that you are um, a communicator, you're writing books and you're an educator. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want you to see. Um, and they said, how would you feel about a new way of teaching? And we started to talk. And basically what we did was carve out video courses. And it's, it's like being an author. It's like being an educator. So I love it. It's wonderful. And you work with a producer and a production team. You go into the studio. And I often share on my feeds some of the photos and, and what I do. And that's how that started. But it, it did come from them approaching me. And it went from lynda.com was acquired by LinkedIn. And here we are now. I'm a LinkedIn learning author. So, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm still a professor. Um, I absolutely, I love being in the physical classroom. Uh, just with my schedule, it's very difficult. So I spent seven years at Fairleigh Dickinson University, and I was teaching for their global business management program. Then I went over, I launched a, I guess I wrote a couple books, I stopped, took a break. Then I went over to NYU, and I was teaching in the classroom for about four years. And then things got really, really hectic schedule-wise. And now I'm an online instructor for UMass for the journalism department. And I also teach a PR certificate course for Rutgers. What I say to the working professional, the professor who is in the classroom, and sometimes you have to have a blended classroom, right? So some universities require you're in the classroom, but you have an online platform. What I do at LinkedIn is to supplement, is maybe continuing education. I would never, I mean, I, I'm an educator at heart. I don't think you can replace the classroom experience with peers and your professor, and that's the network, right? You, when a lot of the times when students come out of school, it's their network that they build undergraduate and graduate that leads to great opportunities. And I'm not, believe me, I love being a LinkedIn author and I'm gonna to continue to do that. But if you're just watching videos and don't have the experience of those peers and the networking that goes on and the team building, you would be missing a lot. So I think for the working professional, the professor, you're all safe. <laughs> Keep up the good work. You're going to have to grow with technology. You're going to have to learn new ways to expand your classroom beyond four walls. You're going to have to understand how your students want to participate with you. Yes, even on social media and what that means and the learning that they expect and how to incorporate technology into the classroom. That's going to be very important. And I'm trying to get to higher ed to do this, just that. Uh, it's unfortunate that even in the education field that many departments at the higher ed level still train teachers to teach the same way. And then those teachers graduate and they come to see me. 
And when they get to the school and I'm now going, hello, I'm the instructional technologist. We are one-to-one -one with Chromebooks. I'm going to show you how to teach this way, this way technology. They're like, huh? Uh, because yeah. they were never <laughs> prepared when <laughs> their thought process was never of this is what technology can do. And I, I just want to tell them, look, technology frees you to do a lot of stuff. Correct. Because when, when if you're talking about pure content of information, no human being will ever outbeat Google or, or some information that this is just pure content or assessment. Not going to outbeat the computer. But you have the experience because you can facilitate certain other learning experiences. You have the, in your case, you have that professional experience where you can answer questions and set up scenarios and do case studies that the computer can't do. And that's where the blending of the two, to me, is the perfect, you know, ideal uh, classroom learning experience. Oh, I, I agree. I, I think that is the way to go. I do think that um, it's time to step out of the comfort zone. So anybody who is teaching today really has to be able to embrace technology. And, and there's ways to learn. So in other words, the, the instructor, the professor, doesn't necessarily have to go back and spend a full education on technology. Oh my gosh, there's YouTube, and there's, there's so many different live shows, and there's blog posts, and there's ways to learn, and there's peers. There's Facebook groups where professors help professors. So I think we're headed in a direction where hopefully at, at some point, Nobody is coming to you like, huh? You know, I, I hope we get past that, that hump. Yes. And then next month, there'll be me because our consulting company two days ago was given the green light of approval to offer online courses for CEUs from a university. Great. Well, thank you. Excellent. So, excellent. Uh, yes. I, I love. Up. Well, thank you. I love providing value for people because I understand what that is, but I'm not going to lie. I also like getting paid while I sleep. So that's a, a wonderful <laughs> option as well. I get in trouble with some of my educator friends uh, because I talk about entrepreneurship and the need to monetize the skills that we already have and not just giving away all for free. And, you know, they're like, well, all of this money talk. And I'm like, yes, man, I want to be comfortable. Uh, <laughs> Be you, be you. Yes, <laughs> so, you know, particularly exactly. with so many Whatever teachers. comes naturally. Yeah, well, so many teachers get second jobs anyway. So, right. you know, why would you not consult? Why would you not teach online? Why would you not do this yeah. as it's opposed to thing. picking Logical. up a shift at the JCPenney, you know? So, right. Logical progression. Yeah. Use your, your skills, your natural skills that are, that are there, <laughs> that are being honed. Absolutely. Yes, I think yes. you asked about women worldwide, my podcast too. Yes, I'm getting ready to get there because it's, it's, right. it's, it's so awesome. And then I'm wondering, like, you're doing so much and you're doing a podcast on top of that. <laughs> um, I love podcasting. I mean, that's the reason why we're here now. Um, before we go, let's jump into your podcast. I mean, how would you describe worldwide women and what kind of topics do you cover in your show? Well, I just wanted to give women a voice and a platform. That was the genesis behind the show. Um, when I was researching podcasts, 
I quickly found out, I guess it was back at the end of 2013, that there were a very, very small percentage of women hosts. And I thought, okay, here's an opportunity. And I was also um, noticing all of the cyberbullying and harassment of women online was growing. And I thought um, it specifically came down to one situation with a young girl out of Canada who had committed suicide. I, I met her mom. And it was really sad because uh, Amanda Todd did this nine-minute um, video of flip cards. And it, at one point, she said she felt like she had no voice. And I felt like a woman who feels like they have no voice. And it was after that YouTube video that she took her own life. That just made me feel so sad. And if I could give women a voice and a platform, even, it, even if it meant sharing your struggles, letting other people know that it's not easy. Like, yes, these women are successful, but they've had challenges. And here's what they did. And if they could just educate others. So that's how the show was born. And the topics, there's so many different topics. I have had everything from um, health and wellness to how, how do you get VC money and investments, right? I've had VCs come on the show. I've had brand uh, reputation management and marketing topics. Um, I'm going to have for the first time a volcanologist who is running for Congress and she's going <laughs> to talk about climate change and why she does what she does. So the science angle, uh, you name it. I've had engineers, oncologists, and each one of them is good enough to, and, and men too. It, it's also men who come on the show who are either helping women or have really great advice for women. Everybody is sharing on a level of authenticity and in a way that they help people. And that's so important. Um, yes, we all, we definitely want to make money and we want to provide for our families, but this help aspect and giving advice, I feel is so important and it is a way to empower and to help people find their inner strength. And that's Women Worldwide in a nutshell. Awesome, awesome. And people, go to iTunes, subscribe, listen, fall in love with it, leave a review. Uh, I definitely have it, you know, here. Uh, and so, you know, while I'm at work, I'm creating accounts, got, got it playing. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. It's, it's so awesome. Um, I just love, and I also love the plat, you know, the just podcasting in general because of the type of conversations you're able to have uh, with people, and and as you said, provide value. But I personally and selfishly, I get an intellectual kick out of having these conversations, so I, I enjoy them. I, don't you learn? I mean, selfishly, I learn so much. I feel like from the time I've started Women Worldwide, my business has skyrocketed. And my brand, my digital footprint has expanded in so many new ways. So there's something to be said, you know, what's born out of passion and, you know, what you really care about and what you really want to share You sort of, you're learning and growing and, and it's really wonderful. Awesome. Thank you again, Deidre, for being a guest on the show. I, I, I had a blast. Oh, thank you so much. I had a blast too. It was a lot of fun to chat with you. Awesome. And thank you. And people, you know how I do this. This is going up on LinkedIn. I'm going to share. I'm going to share this on uh, Facebook, even though Facebook is 
relegated to pretty much friends and family, but I still share it out there as well. Uh, I'm going to tweet this out and LinkedIn SoundCloud. Subscribe, go check it out, and the video casts will be available on YouTube. So people, as always, invest in you, EDU, peace.